with us last week. Um, I think he was so grateful just how receptive you were to receiving the word of God. He just said it was so easy to come and preach here. Um, and so that's testament to you guys just being all in and, you know, opening your hearts and hearing what God wants to say. Um, and he called our service raw and gutsy. And I thought, ah, oh, I like that. I've never been, I've never heard that before. So we're Hope Community Church, the raw and gutsy church. Um, I love the thing he did with the guitar. You remember that? He just like banged it and then done that thing with his voice and reverberated the sound. And I thought, man, I, would, I wish I had such a good voice that I could do something like that. But God hasn't blessed me that way. So um, let's get into the word of God this morning. Um, this morning, I really have it on my heart to talk with you about covenant. I want to talk with you about covenant this morning. As Christians, you need to know that you're in a covenant relationship with God. And it's an absolutely incredible covenant. What I want to question this morning is the fact, or the... I want to ask the question, are we really living in the fullness of this covenant? Or are we missing it and living somewhere else? So that's what I want to do with you this morning. Explore this new covenant and find out if you're living in the fullness of this covenant. So I want to just lay a little bit of framework this morning and look at what is covenant, why God makes covenant, a problem with covenant, and then living in the new covenant. If you've read your Bibles, and I hope you have from beginning to end and, and done that maybe a, a couple of times or a few times, you'll see this word covenant appear again and again. And it turns up no less than 290 times through scripture. So you can see from that that it's quite a big deal. Anything that has that much prominence is a big deal to God. And this word covenant appears again and again. Let me just uh, tell you what covenant means. This is the dictionary meaning. It's, it's really simple, and I'm sure you might know it already. The word covenant means an agreement or a contract. That's it. Covenant means an agreement or a contract. Uh, covenant takes place between, usually between two parties. Two parties come together and they make covenant, they make agreement, they make contract. Your life is full of covenants. Did you know that? If you've signed for anything, <laughs> made an agreement with anything, you have moved into a covenant relationship. Anybody here got a mortgage? <laughs> Anybody still paying off a mortgage? Anybody going to be paying off their mortgage till they die? <laughs> you are in covenant relationship. The mortgage lender has lent you money and you repay. That is your covenant. That is your agreement. If you're working for a company, you're in an employment contract. They pay you and you go and work for them. They might be nice to you, give you a good salary, give you holiday, but they're getting something in return. You've moved into a covenant relationship. If you've got a mobile phone and you get all this wonderful airtime, well, you're paying for that monthly, right? That's how it works. You are in a covenant relationship with O2, whether you like it or not. Notice that covenants have a give and take element to them. The covenants that you enter into 
are conditional. They come with conditions attached. You lend me money, I pay you back. You employ me, I work for you overtime. If you tell your employer that you really, really appreciate this wonderful covenant relationship you have, and then you say, I'm just going to go on a three-month holiday, you might come back and find you don't have a job. Or at the very minimum, you'll come back and find that your salary hasn't been paid. Why? Because you've broken covenant. You've broken the agreement. You've broken the terms. You didn't keep to your end of the deal. So covenant is an agreement that has conditions attached. That is covenant. We find covenants throughout our lives. And let me flip this now and just look at what covenant looks like in relationship to God. Do you know that God makes covenant? God makes covenant. God is a God of covenant. I mentioned before, it's 290 times in the scripture. It's a big deal. Covenant is a big deal to God. And, and the question we need to ask is this, why does God make covenant? Why does he make covenant? Covenant says something. Around the world, you know that people have different ideas of what God is like. You have atheists who say there is no God, and in fact, when they talk about God, they're really angry about God, so I don't know how that works. Um, but they say there isn't a God at all. And then you have some people that are of a scientific persuasion. And they say, I don't know if you've heard of intelligent design. And they say that there was a, a force that, that started everything. It's almost like God is this uh, cosmic being who gave the universe like a, I don't know, a cosmic jump start. And just got everything going and just let it just do its thing. That's what some people say about God. It's just distant, removed, who just got things going. Some believe that there is a God there to worship, but he's blocked off. There is no connection with him. It's all about what you give to him, all about what you give to him, all about what you give to him, and it's about getting nothing back from him at all. Some believe he's just angry and doesn't want anything to do with people, and that's why we see all the suffering and the pain in our world. But scripture shows us that God is a God of covenant. God is a God of covenant. And I'll tell you this, covenant is at the heart of God because the heart of God is love. Covenant is at the heart of God because the heart of God is love. God is a God of covenant who makes covenant with people because it says, I love you. Covenant says, I am committed to you. Covenant says, you can trust in me. Do you know that God has made covenant with you even if you're not in relationship with God? Did you know that? It's in Genesis 9.12. I'm going to give you some scripture because I haven't done that yet. I don't want you to get nervous. Um, but let me read you something from the Bible. It says this, Genesis 9.12. God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds. And it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters 
become a flood to destroy all life. That applies to you whether you're in relationship with God or not. All living creatures, whether they're in direct covenant with God or not, it applies to everybody and everything on the earth. Um, when Bethany was four or five, I remember, um, this is my daughter, we were in, in my house and I, and I started to run a bath for her and she was downstairs and I went down to see her and I just completely forgot about the bath. And then I had that moment where I thought, oh no, I need to go and check. And so Bethany was like, what's wrong, Daddy? What's wrong? I said, the bath's going to flood. And she said, don't worry, Daddy. God's promised he'll never flood the earth again. <laughs> but you know what? She got covenant. She got covenant. She got this thing. This is what God says. So this is what happens. God loves me. And so my, my, my bath's not going to flood. That's how she saw it. That's how she saw it. God is a God of covenant. God desires to be in covenant with people and people to be in covenant with him. Psalm 25, 14 says this. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to, him, to them his covenant. See, God wants such a relationship with you that you walk out covenant with him. He wants such a relationship with you that you can walk out covenant with him. God wants to live out covenant with people. God wants to live out covenant with you and with me. He wants us to experience covenant, his love, his goodness, relationship with him. This is why God makes covenant. This is why he does it. There is a problem with covenant. And the problem is right in front of me this morning. And the, uh, the problem with covenant is, every, is there every time I look in the mirror. Do you know what the problem with covenant is? It's you. And the problem with covenant is me. We're not very good at it. In fact, in society, what we're seeing just constantly is this trying to move away from any kind of commitment, any kind of covenant. What the employer is trying to do now, what zero hour contracts, right? We see that one. We don't like that one, do we? It says that I want you to be in all in with when you work for me, but I'm not going to be all in with what I do with you. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to come away from covenant. I went to a, a couple of weddings at registry offices and the wording has been slightly changed now. I don't know if you've noticed this. It used to be, you know, love one another as long as you both may live, right? Mm -hmm. But now they say, love one another for the rest of your married lives. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> as long as you're married, make sure you're all in. But if you're not married, then say Livy. It don't matter. It's just covenant. And we see people not getting married at all. They say, well, it, you know what, it's just a piece of paper. Well, if it's just a piece of paper, why don't you just sign it? If it makes your partner happy. But you move, you see, you move from what you can get and you move from being loose into something called covenant, where you've got to come and you've got to give. That's why people don't do it. We see this in society and we see this also people struggling with covenant in the scriptures. And nowhere more clearly do we see 
that people have a problem with covenant than God's relationship to the people of Israel. Look what it says in Exodus 19. If you want to come with me there, I'm reading from verse 6. Exodus 19. If you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. God says, I, I want to enter into covenant with you. I want to be your God, but these are the requirements. There are requirements that you need to live out. And they come back and they say, relax, we got this. Whatever you tell us to do, God, is cool. We can handle it. We can live out our end of the deal, our part of the bargain to live in covenant with you. Exodus 34 says the same thing. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but it says, um, I will be your God. And then as you go down and it says, you must, you must, you must, you must, you must to make the terms of this covenant. We know that they could not keep the covenant. They were in relationship with this perfect, holy, almighty God who wanted covenant with them, but they were powerless to meet the demands of the covenant. Powerless to meet the demands of obedience and they were constantly reminded of their sin. Constantly fell short of the requirements. Offerings after offerings for their sin and disobedience. Constantly. They were in covenant, but they couldn't meet the requirements of that covenant. God was 100% committed to them and fulfilled his side of the covenant, but they constantly failed in theirs. Here's the deal here. This is the part where you say, this is where Jesus jumps in and saves the day. This is where things change. I need to tell you that I am not questioning this morning that you know about covenant. That you know about the new covenant that we have, about this covenant that Jesus has given to us. What I am questioning is whether you are really walking in that whether you are really walking in this covenant, this incredible covenant that God has for you. How can we be in a relationship with this holy God? How can we be in covenant with him? What can we bring to the table? If you're like the Israelites, are you constantly aware of your sin, your failure, your disobedience, your shortfalls? Can I say to you, if you are aware of those things constantly, you're not living under the right covenant. You're not living under the right covenant. The reason I'm talking about Israel here is not to share a history lesson with you. It's because I believe this is where most of the church lives. I believe most of the church is still living. I'll tell you what it is. As a Christian, you live under a new covenant, but you can be living in the old covenant. And I believe most of the church is living here. So there is a new covenant. And before I go there, what I want to do with you is to show you how absolutely 100% impossible it is for you to live in covenant with God. 
I want to show you how impossible it is. See, God has always demanded perfect obedience. Old Testament and new. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. It means he never changes. God has never changed. Never, ever changed. He's perfect, holy and righteous. And so what I want to uh, tell you this morning is you cannot just have covenant with God. Something in human nature that says, I can do this. That I know if I want to, I can make covenant with God and I can maintain covenant with God in my own strength. The first thing I want to do before we look at how wonderful this new covenant is and how it rolls out in our lives is I want to make you give up this morning. I want to make you give up trying to make covenant with God. Have you ever um, heard those amazing building testimonies that people have? Some churches have, and you might have listened to like testimonies or gone to a church and they said, you know what, we were just believing God and we were trusting God for a building and we went and saw this place like an old cinema or something like that and we went in and the guy came in, uh, he was showing us and you know, he said, oh, I had a dream and I've just got to give you this place. Have you ever heard anything like that, something along those lines, those amazing out there testimonies? We've got a building testimony here. Um, me... Dave Gatton and Phil, I went with the big guns down to Empire Direct. Down there, you know that big warehouse just down there on the left-hand side? It's been empty for years. So we were exploring our options and trying to think, like, where could God move us into? This is when we were at the school meeting at the school. So we decided to go to Empire Direct. And we were praying and uh, just asking God about it. And anyway, we, we arranged to meet with the estate agent. So the estate agent comes down to meet us at Empire Direct. There's me, Dave and Phil. Um, and we're just talking and he's showing us around. Huge place, amazing, wasn't it? Really amazing. And so he says, he asks us about, um, you know, we were asking about how much does it cost and all this. And then Phil says, here's the thing. We don't actually have any money. <laughs> We just believe in God for this. I was waiting for that moment where the estate agent hits the deck and is like, I knew this was going to happen because God showed me. And he was more like, this is very interesting. We'll be in touch. Do you think we heard back from him? Do you know why? Because we didn't have any money. That's why we didn't hear back from him. You trying to be in covenant with God is like you trying to buy Empire Direct. You need to know how penniless you are. How penniless you are. How you can bring absolutely nothing to the table to be in covenant with God. Do you know what we needed at Empire Direct? Not a miracle. We needed a cosigner. We needed somebody to come and say, look, I know these guys haven't got this, so I want to pay the price for them. We needed somebody to come and sign on our behalf and say, yep, the, the payments as they come constantly, 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 it's on me. It's on me. Whatever comes, I'll, I'll pay the bills. We needed a co-signer. Hebrews 7.26 says this about Jesus. He is the kind of high priest we need 
because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honour in heaven. Everything you need to be in covenant with God, Jesus is. Everything you need to be in covenant with God, Jesus is. When you see how penniless you are, you know you need a co-signer. You know you need somebody to come and sign on your behalf. See, God, what he's done is he's made a covenant with you, the Father, and then Jesus has come and signed on your behalf. And that's how you can walk and live in covenant with God. See, when you see that you cannot be in covenant with God, when you see that you cannot be 100% committed to God, when you see that you need a cosigner, you can then be 100% committed to God. When you see you cannot do it in your own strength, but someone has to come and take that place, then you can give everything to God in covenant. Let's just look at what this new covenant is then. In Hebrews 8, verses 15 to 18. Hebrews 8. The Holy Spirit also testifies, for he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. What a covenant. Do you see it? What a covenant. You've got to notice something here, and and it's really clear, is the difference between, straight away, between the old covenant and the new covenant. See, the old covenant, if you you like King James, it's thou must, thou, thou shall, thou. And if you turn it over right here into the new covenant, what do you see God saying all the time? I, 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 I. I have a real clear indicator to you to know if you're living under the old covenant or under the new covenant. And I'll tell you what it is. If you are focused more on what you do for God than what God has done for you, you are living under the old covenant. As a Christian, you are in the new covenant, but are you living under the old covenant? The old covenant has been made obsolete. The old covenant has been done away with. In Hebrews 8.13, it says, um, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It's now out of date and will soon disappear. The old covenant doesn't work anymore. And it was never intended to for all history. I went to visit at my mum's place and she had a cupboard full of my stuff. This was a long time ago. And in there I found some VHS cassettes. Anybody still got some of them VHS cassettes? Anybody still got some and not got a VHS player? <laughs> All right. And that was the case at my, my mum's place. And, and my daughter, this again, when she was not, uh, really young, and uh, she, she got the video and she tried to put it in the DVD player. Yeah. And it didn't work. 
It didn't work because of VHS is obsolete. You need a DVD to put in a DVD player. You can't put a VHS in because it's old and it doesn't work anymore. I wonder how many Christians are trying to do the equivalent of putting a VHS in a DVD player. Trying to do the old thing in the, well, the new thing in the old way. Jesus has come and given us a new covenant. Old things have passed away. The new has come, right? In that passage, it tells you what this new covenant looks like. It's a covenant where you are completely forgiven and a covenant where you're able to live how God wants you to live. Let me tell you that the new covenant is not for those who want to live loose and licentious. The new covenant is for all of those who've just struggled with their sin. The new covenant is for those who so badly want to live for God, but they just don't see it within them to do it. That want to give God everything, but just see their shortfall and their failure and their mistakes and their screw-ups and think, how can I live in covenant with this God? I want to tell you that the new covenant is for you. The new covenant is for you. I want to finish by looking at these two aspects of the new covenant, complete forgiveness and living right. See, in this passage in Hebrews, he says, he won't remember your sins and your lawless deeds. That's not uh, the law of Moses. It's like everything you do with disregard to God, that's lawlessness. He says, I'm not going to remember that anymore. And for that to happen, for to be in that place where God doesn't look at your sins, where he's not bringing it to memory, we know that there has to be a price paid. For this to happen, Jesus had to pour out his blood for you. Matthew 26, 28 says it. This is my blood. We say it so often, right? Which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Um, I've been reading recently the story of Stanley and, and Livingstone. You know the story? I don't know if you've ever seen it and, and heard it. And Stanley was this uh, journalist and he went on a quest looking for David Livingstone, the, um, the great missionary out in Africa. And while Stanley was on this, this journey, he would meet many tribes. And uh, one thing that became common was making covenant with these tribes. And he talks about this one occasion where he went to this, uh, this place and he said he, he met like a warlike tribe. And so it was a smart idea to make covenant. And so they were going through these processes, through these rituals. And what they did was they, they took their blood from their wrists and put it into a cup. And they both drunk from the cup. And they made covenant. And in that moment, it says they became blood brothers. This chieftain, after making covenant, gave Stanley this um, spear, like an old spear. For what's this all about? But when he walked from village to village, the elders and everyone would bow to him because it was the position of a prince that he was given. You've become blood brothers with Jesus. Jesus poured out his blood for you and he says to you, if anyone wants part of me, you must drink my blood. 
You became blood brothers with Jesus the moment you received him as saviour. His blood doesn't just cover you, it runs through your veins. And you were given a position of honour before the Father. You were given the equivalent of that spear all because of what Jesus has done. The only difference is you didn't have to pour out your blood too. He made the covenant with you. Was it Thomas goes to him and he, he wanted to see his wrists and put his hands there? Why? Because it's the marks of covenant. It's the marks of what he has done. In Jeremiah 31, 31, it talks about this new covenant. And you know the word it, um, for covenant, it means to cut. Jesus was cut for you so you could come into covenant with him. Because of this covenant, your sins are completely forgiven. Do you ever get bored of hearing that? I hope you don't. I hope you don't get bored of hearing the truth that your sins are completely forgiven. George Whitfield, who was the, um, a preacher, he was contemporary of John Wesley. And he went to Wales um, when all this evangelical, um, like a push was coming out from Wales. And he went down there and met a guy called Harris Howe. And it says when they met one another, there was like a camaraderie. They had like this, they said they were, felt knitted together. And the first thing Whitfield says to Harris Howe is this. Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Very first thing he says to him. Are you living in the new covenant? Are you aware of this reality? Is this your experience that your sins are forgiven? Do you ask God for forgiveness more than you thank him that you are forgiven? Your sins and lawless leads have been taken away. You are in a new covenant. You have the other part of this covenant now, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. This is the covenant God says he makes with you. I will place my laws in your heart and put them on your mind. I will give you the intention, the desire, and the understanding to live in the very way I want you to live. That's what God says to you. Do you believe this? I mean, do you believe it? Do you believe that God puts his laws in your heart and on your mind and so you're able to live out how God wants you to live out? Do you believe it? Amen. How many of us are looking at how we're, well we're living? I'm going to finish with these two passages. We're going to close this up. In Ezekiel, um, he's talking to Israel, but you see a picture of both the old covenant and the new covenant and the contrast. In Ezekiel 18.31, it says this. Sorry, 30 and 31. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. This is Old Covenant. This is Old Covenant. Trying to make your heart right, trying to make yourself right, trying to live right. Who, have you ever done this? God, I promise to try more. I promise to try harder. I, I want to live holy. I want to live blameless. I want to live close to you. I want to experience your presence. So I'm going to just try harder. How many of you have prayed, God, create in me a clean heart? Create in me a pure heart. I turn from my sin and you feel like you're on a roundabout. Constantly going round this cycle, sin, guilt, repentance, try harder. Sin, guilt, repentance, try harder. And it ends with failure every time. You know, God can become like those um, buzzer games you used to get at the fairgrounds. You know, and you used to try and get the, the pole around the metal about, uh, 
trying to get it without buzzing it. And, it, and as soon as it buzzes, what do you do? You go back to the beginning and start again. This way doesn't work. But we can think this is the way we have to do it. Listen, he contrasts what this looks like just a few chapters later. And this shows you what the new covenant is. In Ezekiel 36, 25, this is our last verse, guys, and we're going to close this up. It says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Can I tell you what that's a picture of? It's a picture of the new covenant. That is the new covenant. What a promise. What a covenant. If I was to say to you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just triple somersault down here. And then I'm going to do a double forward roll because that's cool. And then I'm going to land on Gloria's shoulders. <laughs> You're going to say to me what most people would say to me. And it's like, all right, prove it. Because you don't believe I can do it. I think when we hear these kind of things, these kind of scriptures, we go like, I don't really believe it. But do you know what we can do as Christians? We can say to the Holy Spirit, this is your covenant. This is your word. If you read that passage in Hebrews, it says, this is what the Holy Spirit says. You can go to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm challenging you to fulfill your covenant in me. I'm challenging you. This is what your word says. This is what you say you do. Okay, prove it. Because I tell you what, Holy Spirit loves covenant. Because he was one of the Trinity who made covenant. And he wants to fulfill covenant in you. In the new covenant, there is a command for obedience. But the power is given to us. Do you know in the new covenant, you live in supply and demand. You live in supply and demand. He supplies you with what you need to fulfill the demands that he has. That's the new covenant. And it's in regards to living right and in regards to turning from sin. Romans 8.13 says, If you live by its dictates, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Um, I was just at the park the other day with, uh, with Kia, my boy. And uh, this guy was putting up a kite into the wind. And if you've seen people, some people running and putting up kites and it just goes terribly bad. But this guy was an expert. And as he held the kite, he just, he just waited. And as he felt a, a slight breeze, he just he took off. And he just went like that. And this kite just went vroom, straight up every time. You know where it says turn from sin, the word spirit is the word wind. As Christians, we need to just catch the wind. In fact, we need to be gone with the wind, okay, <laughs> as believers. How many of us are trying to deal with our stuff by trying to throw up kites when there's no breeze? See, as you go to the Spirit of God, because you cannot turn from stuff in your own strength, as you go to the Spirit of God and say, God, I, I see this, I, I want you to, to take me your way, He's going to lead you, He's going to push you, and what you need to do is just jump on with where He's taking you and go. That's what we need to do with the Spirit. Do we want the Spirit to come and just give us a nice feeling, or do we want the Spirit of God to live out covenant in us? You can ask Him and you can challenge Him, and He will do what He said. He will do.
We have to believe him. This is his word. This is what he says. Jesus has forgiven you. The spirit is in you. The father loves you. So let's live out this new covenant with him. God bless you guys. Thank you, Lee. That was very